Okay, hello everyone. It is currently block 826711. I'm just going to admit this person. And thanks for being here. Today is our official fourth Bitcoin Consultant Network call. Um, so welcome. And today's topic is Bitcoin for businesses. Um, pretty stoked for today's conversation and to hear just a diversity of perspectives and experiences related to Bitcoin and business. Um, so a few people have reached out to speak, they will get priority, but if you want to share something, just put up your hand and I'll make sure to get to you. And to kick this off, I wanted to mention something that uh, I heard recently from Tour de Meester on, uh, I think it was a Stefan Levera podcast. And he basically said, businesses will adopt Bitcoin because all businesses want to avoid extinction. And that really hit me because just like the internet or email, you know, Bitcoin is a new technology and technology is almost always good for businesses if they apply it properly. You know, if you adopt technology as a business, you gain an advantage over those other businesses and competitors who don't end up adopting that technology. And if you refuse to adopt fundamental technologies like the internet, for example, you end up getting left behind or shrinking um, the sort of capacity and the opportunity that your business has to grow. So I've been working with a few businesses lately um, run by really forward thinking leaders and decision makers. And one thing I've realized is that the depth of their understanding of what Bitcoin is and the implications of Bitcoin is serves as a direct reflection of their ability to apply the technology in their business, meaning that the champion or the leader or owner of the business is essentially the rate limiting step to them moving forward in their integration of Bitcoin within the company, within the business. And so like anything, leading with education seems to always be uh, the most productive and effective path forward. And so the first thing I want to start with is why is Bitcoin good for business? So um, student of Bitcoin had reached out. He's got some experience with this. So let's start with him and then anyone else who wants to speak and share um, share their why or share experiences related to the why, why is Bitcoin good for businesses that they've encountered in their work, uh, feel free to just come forward and speak. So student of Bitcoin, it's all yours. Why is Bitcoin good for business? <clears throat> the simplest answer is that it's the most superior form of payment that a business can accept. It allows them to self-custody. It allows them to take anywhere in the world is borderless money that they can use. But uh, the way I structured it in my book is really either as corporate treasury and as a payment methodology. And, you know, for me being in North America, it was always the angle of card fees and inflation was there, but I, I nitpicked on the card fees a little too much. And now that I'm in Africa, I'm noticing Africa isn't a card society. Credit cards, debit cards aren't really a thing here. They're not the pred predominant form of payment. But over here, the challenge is there are third parties that are taking away fees at any time there are payments being made. And here, telecom providers have these wallets that allow you to basically send money to each other very easily. So you have a feature phone or what we call a dumb phone. You're able to send money to any merchant on the street. Uh, you're able to withdraw deposit money using your telecom provider wallet. And I've noticed in Africa for businesses here, it's more so 
going back to the adage that you just shared from Tour de Meester, if you don't adopt this technology as a superior form of payment, you're going to be left behind. And what I've been focused on recently, you know, I believed, I still believe that businesses allows us to unlock network effects for Bitcoin as a form of payment. And after speaking with multiple businesses on why they should be adopting Bitcoin as a form of payment in Uganda, we sort of had a light bulb moment where we decided to actually start our own business that accepts Bitcoin as a preferred form of payment so that we now have a model that we can share with all other businesses. So they themselves see firsthand, okay, these guys are doing something different. Why are they doing it differently? They're clearly setting themselves apart. And we're hoping to sort of set the standard of why businesses should be accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment by starting a business of our own. And we just, funny enough, had our soft launch today. It's a juice shop. And the reason behind it was how do you make Bitcoin healthy and approachable to people that isn't just looking at Bitcoin as money? And um, long story short, I'll leave it at it's a superior form of payment and there's no other payment method that's better. Awesome. Thank you for that. And congratulations on the juice shop launch. You move quick because we did a podcast like, <laughs> I don't even know what it was, two, three weeks ago. And you're like, here's an idea. And now it's official. So congrats on that. And yeah, very powerful perspective to be in Africa compared to the common North American one. Um, different, not, I wouldn't say fundamentally different, but maybe the focus is just uh, different and isn't something that people in North America would otherwise be exposed to. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, one thing I've seen in one of the business owners I'm working with is the flow of understanding that he's gone through. And it was sort of like the typical flow of, you know, the three functions of money, store of value, medium of exchange, unit of account. And I actually saw his understanding flow move through it in that sequence. And this is a North American based um, business. So initially it was, okay, our business has savings. These are for long-term capital expenditures. You know, the difference between money that's coming in and money that is being used to pay expenses is the profit and a portion of the profits gets put in a savings account for this company. Um, and saving that in political currency in Canadian dollars is essentially like trying to save an ice cube from melting. And it's just, you know, this constant incessant um, debasement of this savings. So first step was, okay, I understand Bitcoin as a store of value, a superior store of value. I understand money from first principles. And that's where we started. You know, what are the functions of money? What are the properties of money? And then he sort of became able to decide of his of himself, not because I told him Bitcoin was a superior unit of account, because he understand money from first principles. He understood, okay, well, let's put Bitcoin on our balance sheet. We can do it without too much legal and accounting hassle. It's a good idea. We don't have to start with very much and we get a disproportionate uh, advantage for being sort of leading particip early participants in the network. And as he started to learn more, he quickly realized, well, wait a second, Bitcoin is also a medium of exchange. And if we accept Bitcoin, it actually solves a problem of fraud, which we have. It's a footwear company called Soul Freedom. Um, the website is solefreedom.ca and they sell footwear that aligns with foot function. And I'm um, very involved with this company and it's a 
just a really cool company and the open-mindedness of adopting Bitcoin has really been part of the fun and me participating with them. My unofficial role is chief Bitcoin officer. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, but then it went to, well, we have people who are stealing credit card numbers and buying shoes from us. And by the time, you know, even if they get through our filter, we send the shoes, we find out it's fraud. We get a chargeback where we have to give the money back and we never see the product again. And that's a problem. So Bitcoin solves that because there are no chargebacks. There's no fraud. You know, people actually have to have the Bitcoin to send the Bitcoin. And then, um, you know, and even the fees, the credit card fees that they end up paying on every transaction, that gets mitigated. So it's actually a competitive advantage over other footwear retailers to accept Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. And the big thing that sort of landed with him was, wait a minute, there's a bunch of people in the world who have Bitcoin who don't want to sell it for fiat, who actually want to spend their sats, and they all wear shoes. So us accepting Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, as a form of payment, actually gives us this competitive advantage over other footwear companies where Bitcoiners can actually spend their sats with us instead of selling their sats back to fiat. So store value on the balance sheet, medium of exchange, accepting it as a form of payment with multiple benefits in that respect. The biggest one of which is now you have this whole new customer base of people who need shoes and have sats, and we can actually serve as a way for them to purchase footwear with Satoshis. And then, you know, this kind of leads into, well, what's our long-term strategy uh, for implementing Bitcoin as a unit of account? What does that actually look like? And what we got to was in the long-term, the strategy in the long-term is minimizing the fiat footprint, not overnight, not even in one year, but over the long-term, how do we shrink the amount of fiat involvement that we have in this business and shift over to the honest ledger fully to the point where in the end, it's like, can we pay our staff in sats? Can we have an affiliate program that pays our partner Satoshis for recommending people to buy footwear from us? Can we raise capital from investors who can actually buy equity in the company in Satoshis instead of in dollars? Um, can we use SAT denominated loans? Like all of these things open up this whole new realm of possibility, but it's just been very interesting to see that, you know, whether it's a balance sheet, store value strategy, a medium of exchange PL strategy, or just an end state strategy of adopting Bitcoin as a unit of account and erasing the fiat footprint because of how nasty it's going to get with exponential debasement, um, there are so many levels that Bitcoin is good for this business. And, and the, the Tour de Meester line that I said initially was for the long-term viability of a business, it's actually existentially imperative to go to the honest ledger that doesn't steal from you. Because if we know that the dishonest fiat ledger is going to steal from us at an exponential rate, well, it's going to get harder and harder the longer we stay on that ledger. And so while, yes, it is difficult right now in the early days to shift over to the honest ledger, to shift this business over to Bitcoin, it actually doesn't end up being an option in the end. And in the short term, it's a competitive advantage, um, not only because our, our purchasing power increases of our savings, we have a new customer base with accepting Bitcoin uh, as a medium of exchange, and we're way early, we're early adopters. And so we're going to get to the full Bitcoin adoption earlier than anyone else and reap the benefits of doing it early. So that was a long winded to say long winded way to say that, you know, for this business in particular, which is just a natural footwear retailer, Bitcoin is good for this business on so many levels. And while it is difficult right now, like right now we're trying to integrate medium of exchange and accepting Bitcoin through Shopify, which has its own set of hurdles and opens up the door to a, another project of, you know, contacting Shopify and seeing if they're ready to lead the way in Bitcoin. Um, 
it is, there's just so many benefits that it is almost overwhelmingly exciting. Um, so that's my piece of why Bitcoin is good for businesses with just a case study of different ways it can be applied. There's different challenges in each of those sort of realms, but overall it's extremely exciting. Um, anyone else have experience to share or have a perspective to share about why is Bitcoin good for business? Um, yeah, if you do raise your hand or unmute yourself, love to hear what you have to say. James, go for it. Yeah, hi. Um, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I agree um, with everything that uh, you've both been saying. Um, I just wanted to sort of um, lay out something on just starting um, with the first one this week. So my background, I spent 20 years in financial services and I'm an accountant. Um, and I've, as I've been learning about Bitcoin over the last two or three years, I'm sort of, I was meant to be retired, but I've kind of, this has become my, this has become my full-time uh, activity in retirement. I've been, I've been gradually merging, bringing together all of my, kind of learning about Bitcoin. And I listened to that podcast that you mentioned as well, Caribou. Um, I think too was saying that every business needs a Bitcoin strategy. Um, it's very good. Um, and bring, bringing that together with my kind of experience um, prior to Bitcoin, which was, as I say, in financial services. Um, and what I'm about to start doing this week, I've got, um, I'm, I've, I've managed to get in with um, Ake per Seema, so I think Ape is the American, um, sort of one of the American accounting institutes, and SEMA is one of the ones, it's global actually, but it's based in the UK, um, Charter Institute of Management Accounting. And um, I've managed to get inside that organisation, and they are quite supportive. Um, and I'm host, I'm basically, they're hosting a, a networking breakfast um, for senior finance and risk managers this week. And I'm presenting at that breakfast. And the topic, the way that I'm approaching this is that to see the rise of Bitcoin as a risk issue. So for corporations, so I'm really talking about mid, medium and large corporations here. But in my view, they need to get Bitcoin at the very least onto their risk register as a first step. Because if they don't, um, there are some things that might be going to happen in the next one, two, five years that they are not capable of evaluating or monitoring um, and hence looking at the threats to their business and also the opportunities that those things might open up both internally within the operation of their company, but also potentially more, more importantly, externally. And so, so the purpose of this kind of this idea that I've come up with is to is to basically talk to them that this is a this is a risk for your business. Do you have this on your risk register? And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty certain that everyone that shows up will go no, or I don't know, because we know how uh, how widespread the knowledge about uh, bitcoin is um, I, i'm expecting almost every corporation i speak to to say no it's not on our risk register and the purpose of this initial introduction is to basically say these are the reasons i'm going to be going through some data on growth um on from various different angles whether that's 
in merchants accepting Bitcoin, whether that's on uh, the value locked up on the time chain, uh, whether that's uh, things like the social network, um, which is effectively like a growing marketplace as well, if viewed from a business perspective. But, I mean, we're going through a bunch of these metrics and then going, hey, okay, are these things going to continue to grow at this scale? If they are, what could that do to your market? What could that do to um, your business? You know, how's it going to how's it going to affect your existing revenues and market shares? Are there opportunities to incorporate Bitcoin to reduce operating costs and improve efficiency? Are there opportunities to innovate new products, channels, or markets off the back of what's happening with Bitcoin? Um, and then that's that sort of on the PL side. And then on the balance sheet side, how can you drive value from your balance sheet, which I think you were just talking about, Caribou. Um, and also, um, is it possible for you to actually enhance your ESG reporting metrics by by engaging with Bitcoin? And that's off the back of that KPMG paper from last year. So I think that it's arguably on the cusp of a business incorporating Bitcoin Maybe that's by using it as part of its uh, incorporating Bitcoin mining and it's in the heating of its offices. Um, or maybe it's just by generally engaging with something that now looks like it might be actually an imperative for ESG achievement across the world. That in fact, any business that engages in any way with Bitcoin might arguably be able to improve their ESG reporting metrics. Okay. Now, wh whatever you think about ESG and personally, I don't think it, I think it's a whole load of generally a whole load of nonsense, right? But the reality is that all of these corporations are spending huge amounts of money um, on proving that they meet various environmental, social, and governance uh, goals, and um, and have to produce significant amounts of reporting on it on a on at least an annual basis in their in their reporting accounts. Now, if you go and look at any large corporations' accounts, you'll see that a goodly number of pages in their annual reports are covering ESG. So so it may be that they can actually get some brownie points on that as well. So anyway, I just wanted to say that that's kind of where I'm thinking and where I'm headed. And, uh, you know, you guys would be more than well. It's free to register on this, um, on this FCMA networking breakfast. Um, and I can share the links if you're interested. Um, unfortunately, it's not a great time for the States because it's eight o'clock to nine o'clock um, UTC on Thursday morning. So it'll be the middle of the night for, for most of you, I guess. Um, but the one thing I would ask if you are interested in joining is just listen in. Yeah, don't don't interrupt or in, interject in the conversation because this is really aimed at senior finance and risk professionals who have no, no knowledge of Bitcoin and it's not about what Bitcoin is or how Bitcoin works or anything like that. This is a question about risk analysis. So why they need to get Bitcoin on their risk register. I'm not going to be going into in any way how they might, you know, address those. It's more to just kind of say you need to be looking at this because I think that one of the consequences if I can succeed in that is that they'll go, well, we've got no one in our organization or in risk who knows how to do that. They, they can't evaluate it or monitor it because they know nothing about it. And then that's going to lead into offering them training courses or going in as a consultant to help them evolve their risk strategy with respect to Bitcoin. Anyway, 
just really interested in in any feedback any of you might have on that and also if you were to attend i'd be really interested in hearing your feedback afterwards so it would be great if some of you did dial in just listen listen to how it goes and then go give me some feedback afterwards would be excellent anyway that's that's what i wanted to say brilliant thank you for sharing that james and thanks for putting that together because i think it is you know, there's so many facets of business and in the corporate world that Bitcoin has an application for. And if you try and, you know, give them everything in the first day, you end up usually pushing them away or confusing them or making it just um, just too confusing. And so I think actually choosing one specific topic to zone in on that applies to your like radically knowing your audience, understanding your audience, what they understand, what uh, challenges and risks and what what is their domain of expertise that they look at every day and being able to tailor in a really bespoke way how you frame Bitcoin to them and their needs and how Bitcoin solves a problem that they might not even know they have. That's like, that's the art of consulting. That's the art of, you know, putting it on people's radar, I think is step one, right? Not explaining the entire full stack mechanics of the protocol. So just putting it on the radar. And I think when you talk about risk, um, at Finney 21, we frame Bitcoin as portfolio insurance against systemic risk. And that came from uh, a paper by Tour, which if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Preparing for the Bitcoin boom, I think it's called. And basically he framed it as, you know, the current system, everything in the current fiat system has a level of risk that maybe most people aren't accurately assessing. And maybe they're not assessing the risk because they don't actually have any alternative to mitigate that risk. But Bitcoin does that. And the other thing I want to bring up is Ross Stevens' uh, annual shareholder letter um, for Stone Ridge and a, a piece that he wrote that I highlighted. And in his report, he wrote in his letter to shareholders, he wrote, Bitcoin is not risky. Fiat is risky. Our firm compensation, rent and total expenses are up 89%, 119% and 69% respectively in fiat while being down 36, 26 and 43% respectively in Bitcoin. So you know, as a business, if instead of all of your expenses going up in a big way, your expenses are actually getting chopped down in a big way, that can't be ignored as a competitive advantage over someone who doesn't have access to a Bitcoin unit of account and doesn't isn't able to actually reduce their costs from year over year. And so whether it's like just an operating business or whether it's, um, you know, viewing it as a, as a hedge against risk in the fiat system, in the fiat banking system, which if you understand it deep enough, you realize it's all insolvent, it's all fake, um, which can make people uncomfortable. But I think it's, it's nice to plant the seed and to come at it from all these different perspectives with all these different professionals who Bitcoin is relevant for, but they may not realize it. So thank you for sharing that, James. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. And I'm curious to hear how it goes. I might, not, I won't be able to tune in, but uh, maybe on on a future call, you can kind of give us an update on how it went and feedback you received. Um, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'm you know, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to go down because it's the first time I've done it, um, and uh, it'd be really interesting for me to to kind of see what happens. Um, but I'm kind of thinking that from my experience of working in in large corporations, that the risk register is something 
something that you know is quite important i mean it's summarized in the in the in the important accounts as well in every in every corporation um and and i'm kind of wondering you know whether whether it'll spark the question of training more or consulting more you know will they want to come and speak to me and have me come into their organization or will they say actually I want to. I want the. I want to get one or two of the risk managers on a course so that they can do this. You know, so they can have this risk as part of the risks that they're monitoring or in charge of for the organisation. It'd be interesting to see where it goes, or whether they all just go. This is a load of nonsense. We're not interested. But to me, I feel that that would be um, reckless and not, and that they have a, a sort of duty of care um, as senior managers in corporations. looking after the uh, interests of their you know their shareholders that's kind of their duty it's their job and so i kind of feel that they can't because the evidence i'm presenting doesn't look like something that's dying right? and it it looks like something that is growing and could become significantly more um, transformational than perhaps it has been to date and that therefore Um, if its impact could be, I think you used the word before, caribou, existential, even if they assess the probability as quite unlikely or five years out, still something that they ought to be putting on their register now and and having someone in the organisation who knows how to evaluate and monitor that risk going forward. So. So I'm fairly, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sort of, I'm, I'm fairly confident, and I'm just interested to, to see. how the discussion because the format of the breakfast is 15 minutes of presentation and then a 45 minute of open discussion question and answers and conversation i mean i think one of the things is that i'm going to be quite humble about what i know their problems are in their particular business or in their particular market because because one of the things about this is that i i can't know and i wouldn't expect to know every marketplace every company's particular setup and therefore how bitcoin may or may not uh give them opportunities or present them with threats and so i think it's very much about just trying to get them off off zero if you like in a in a in an understanding point of view as in i understand this is something i need to look at even if i don't yet know anything about it but that evidence suggests that it is something if i'm a risk manager that could be on my horizon and if it is and it is what it looks like it might be or it has a possibility of being what it might be then it will have serious impacts potentially in one area or more of my business um and so that's really where i'm trying to go with it yeah I don't, regardless of how it ends up going and what ends up being talked about i think in, it's good regardless because the fact that you're there bringing this up and even if you just get one person from an understanding perspective off zero off zero understanding or zero consideration of bitcoin i think that's a victory because it is sort of like this see all you need to do is plant a seed to say well maybe i should be paying slightly more attention to that thing it might not be super important or salient yet but just planting a seed can do a lot of things. And I think just like if you have a warehouse of product, it is reckless. And as you said, duty of care, like you're not doing your fiduciary responsibility or you're not stewarding 
the capital of investors to um, an effective level if you're not even looking into something like fire insurance on a warehouse. Maybe it's only 2% of what what is what everything in there is worth per year but and and the likelihood of something like that happening is incredibly low but you're not doing your responsibility if you're not factoring in that risk and actually taking measures to hedge against it and so i think it's just you know give them an opportunity to live up to be very humble don't try and convince them of anything but just ask them the right questions to get them thinking about the fact that if they don't understand anything about bitcoin and they're in financial risk um, they're missing something and it's at least worth looking into. So, yeah, yeah, I think if it's it, great. and if it, if it does, if it does go well and it kind of leads to, it leads to work, either whether, whether that's training or consulting. What's your definition of well, what would make it go well in your mind? Um, so, so it leads to business. So it leads to gotcha. the fact that I'm going, I'm, I'm going in as a paid consultant or I'm delivering paid training courses because they've realized that this is something that they need. So they need some knowledge and they want some consulting about how this technology may affect their business. And so basically business. Yeah. So as in what consultants do. Um, so if it leads to that or it looks like it's leading to that, one of the things that I think I'd probably come back and do with this group is I'd give the presentation to this group and then share the materials. Because I think that, you know, every, all of all of us could be going and doing these things in corporations i, I can't do the world <laughs> no intention yep. of doing the world um you know and so just basically open sourcing the materials and the idea and and, and sharing it with with everyone in this group as a, as a way to go and drum up business basically in any corporations you you come across if it awesome. you know to see if it goes well that's that's what i'll uh come back and do but I'll come back and let you know how it went any either way. But I think if it does lead to business, I can't see any reason why we wouldn't want to scale that up and just make it available so that anyone can go and do it. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing that with everyone. And, you know, if this is version one, the hope is that, you know, 100 brains in this Telegram group can give probably a couple little nuggets to make version 1.1 a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. And Definitely. have it be just like a an open source protocol or knowledge base that we can all apply to different contexts. I mean, we're extremely early, even as Bitcoin consultants. It's kind of like sometimes I can't but help but feel like we're training for a job that will serve people of the future. And we're living in the past still. And sometimes that can be frustrating, even though the future is available to anyone at any time. But it also, you know, it's like if we take a low time preference approach to this, these monthly calls are essentially us refining what what is this job? How do we do it effectively? And how do we just level up our ability so that when the tsunami of demand does come, because you know, Luke Broyles has a great saying, Bitcoin is scarce, block space is scarce, and time with an educated and experienced Bitcoin consultant will be incredibly scarce when things really kick off. And so you know, doing all this work, uh, you know, under the surface or in these small gatherings um, is sort of the work needed to to build up a knowledge base so that we can all be better at doing this because there's way more work than any of us are going to be able to handle. And, um, you know, the whole point of putting these as a podcast of Bitcoin Stoa is also to open source this to anyone in the world because there's going to be a lot of people needed to do this work. Um, yeah, if I can chime in uh, with my perspective. Please do. I, I couldn't agree more, and a lot of this is about timing. Uh, <clears throat> my experience is I've been given, uh, giving lectures for a couple of years now uh, here in California, 
and most of the people who show interest have been individuals. So I'm interested in this this particular meeting because of the, the business element. I really don't have business people coming in and inquiring uh, about lectures and learning about Bitcoin. That, that's not a big surprise. Um, California seems, and the West Coast in general, seem like geographically we're almost like the last place on earth to really sort of look into adoption. Uh, if you look at the list of um, you know, meetups around the country, even there, there's the Pacific Bitcoin out here. That, that's about it. Um, seems like the rest of the world is farther ahead than us. Um, but I did want to make a remark about how this timing thing and being ahead of ahead of the game. Um, I like the idea of the risk angle for the business people uh, because the first thing we got to sell them on is a store of value um, as we you know progress through the, the iterations of money and. Uh, you know, the biggest complaint there is the volatility. Well, how can I have it as a store of value if it's up and down and up and down? And I think that our timing is good because as we go into this uh, bull cycle, um, people are going to take notice again and there's going to be more interest in people. Like, yes, it is volatile, but in a good direction. Um, and for the longer term, people, good business people will get the idea that, yes, <clears throat> I, can, I can store some capital for the longer term here and not have it melt away with fiat. Um, so that that seems like that's a good angle. But again, we kind of need to flow with the tide instead of trying to swim up river, which I've been doing a bit of the last few years. So as as the price shows the better uh, increases, you know, that's going to be of help to us to show people that, yes, it is not going away. And yes, it is volatile, but it, it continues to march upwards. And that's what you want in your treasury. Um, and the medium exchange part is, is almost even tougher. That's like a chicken and egg problem, at least for me here, because to talk to sort of a street merchant or a store owner or something like that, you know, we have small and medium sized businesses in my metropolitan area. So nothing particularly large and they're not going to have a lot of customers asking to pay in Bitcoin. So you get this chicken and the egg, well, why should I offer it if nobody wants to use it? Um, <clears throat> so the idea of just orange pilling business owners enough to say, hey, you know, it's an alternative and it's actually really cheap and easy for you to uh, show. So this is something that you can advertise as um, a benefit to using your business and it benefits both you and the customer. Um, but it is a challenge and, and it all boils down to sort of timing and getting our, our ducks in a row, if you will, ahead of ahead of the next big bowl where all of a sudden we know that a lot more people will become interested and, and having those signs out in the storefronts, you know, we accept Bitcoin and, and um, having those conversations with business owners to realize that yes, it is a, it is a good store of value and then we can move on to meeting up exchange and so forth. So um, I, I basically agree with everything that's said. And if anybody has any other things to post, uh, links for resources about uh, you know talking to business owners in sensible ways uh, I appreciate that thanks thanks for that Brooke and it is surprising that California's it's surprising and unsurprising surprising because California is such a tech hub on earth that you would think they would be just in on technology innovation uh, you know at the leading edge of the curve but also unsurprising because I think pain is the ultimate source of change and California is a pretty beautiful place. And unless you're, I mean, I think there's exponential fiat pain coming, but um, if you're super comfortable, there's not much reason to learn, to, to question your entire understanding of the world <laughs> by really going in the rabbit hole of Bitcoin. 
Uh, it's, it's often, there's very few people who do it voluntarily out of curiosity. So also unsurprising for people in a place that is just beautiful. Yeah, and also and, we're, yeah. we're sort of the world headquarters of web too. So a lot of people put, you know, a lot of stock in sort of that, that centralized iteration of the internet here. And so we're trying to kind of move away from that, but a lot of people are employed by web two companies. So, yeah. That's true. And I think the, to your comment about swimming upstream, I think actually by doing this work and building in the bear market and swimming upstream and, you know, facing tough questions and tough concerns, it just hardens us to a level where when the tides do change, we're going to be able to not just float downstream, but sprint downstream because we've trained just so much strength to be able to face resistance. So when that resistance drops, it just allows us to, you know, it's like this is training time for when things actually kick off, we're just going to be so much better at dealing with challenges because we've been swimming upstream and, you know, to businesses. And that's, that's kind of the next um, topic is accepting Bitcoin payments and, you know, sharing stories and experiences or cheat codes about helping merchants adopt Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, as a payment method. Um, and one of my favorite ways to just let a soft orange pill float into a business owner is asking, can I tip you in Bitcoin uh, when I leave, right? Instead of putting a coin or a, a bill in their tip jar, just saying, can I tip you in Bitcoin? And if you don't know what that is, if you have two minutes, I can show you how to download um, a piece of software on your phone that allows you to receive Bitcoin, which is going to be yours forever. Um, and you know, while that might be a custodial solution like Wallet of Satoshi, for me, it's been an impactful, and these are businesses that I'm seeing on a repeat basis, like on a weekly basis where, you know, after enough times of tipping them a Bitcoin, they inevitably get a bit more curious. Like, what's this Bitcoin thing? Why, why are you using it? Why did you want to tip me in it? And um, so that, that's often a soft one where instead of trying to get a business to accept Bitcoin as a medium of exchange, be the first person that asks them if they can pay them in Bitcoin. And if it's just a small amount with a tip, that can sometimes be a good um, gateway I've found. Um, and another one, you know, we, with this footwear business, we're thinking of actually, and this was, came from a conversation student Bitcoin and I had this notion of instead of actually offering a discount to people paying in sats, charge a surcharge for people paying in fiat. It's the exact same thing, but the framing of it actually opens up a good question where no one's ever been told that they have to pay more if they're paying in fiat. I mean, most people don't even know what fiat is, but it opens the door to explaining the why, right? When people say, well, why, why are you charging me more uh, if I pay in Canadian dollars or US dollars? And it's like, well, we have to pay fees when we accept that payment. Uh, we actually don't get final settlement of that payment for several months. Whereas with Bitcoin, we pay virtually no fees and we, it instantly settles in our, um, in our, in our account. And so it just these these little subtle things, whether it's putting Bitcoin preferred, Bitcoin accepted here, or charge or surcharging on fiat payments, which is really just a way of saying we'll discount the product price if you pay in Sats. All of these little things can really be powerful touch points, I think. Um, so on the topic of accepting Bitcoin payments, does anyone have anything to share? Um, about an experience of onboarding a company to receiving Bitcoin payments. It can be challenges, opportunity, or um, yeah, challenges, solutions that they came up with, um, tools that they used, software that they like to use. And then uh, I can share a bit of my experience after that. Uh, so something else, I'm a partner in Bridge to Bitcoin in the UK and 
we onboard businesses across the UK to accept Bitcoin. So that's it's another angle. Um, these are obviously smaller businesses, just kind of you know, the, the the pubs and restaurants, cafes, that sort of thing. And we've we've now got it down to a situation where we can onboard businesses on a Zoom call in an hour, from nothing to being ready to accept Bitcoin. And the tools um, we we tend to take them through um, our. Uh, and don't don't kill me for this. We'll be on the naughty step. But we use Wallet of Satoshi, and we use Swiss Bitcoin Pay. And so, they we get them to download Wallet of Satoshi. Um, we just quickly show them how it works. We explain that it's custodial, and therefore they should only keep a certain amount in there. And that we'll come back to them when they've got more than you know a hundred, a couple hundred quid in there, and talk to them then about moving into cold storage. Um, but then they get a lightning address and they can use that lightning address to open a um an account with Swiss Bitcoin Pay. Um that is the sort of point of sale app. Um and between those two, they within an hour now on a Zoom call, we can get them all set up with ready to go. So when the call's finished, they literally could accept Bitcoin. So uh, that's that's what we're doing. We're sort of recommending in the UK. Um we've done that with dozens of businesses now. Um so, uh, yeah, that, that's that's our our favoured solution. In fact, I run I run a local meetup group as well here. I'm, I'm a Bitcoin shire on Twitter, and it's Berkshire Bitcoiners is the name against that handle. And the pub that we meet in, they accept Bitcoin and um, for food and drink. Um, and so we on, that was a, one of the pubs that we onboarded early on. Um, so yeah, that's those are the tools that we use. Brilliant. And I think that even just as someone who goes to that pub and pays uh, with lightning, if, if there's any, if they are involved in any business in any way, you can't unexperience that. And, you know, I think that every business that we work towards um, helping to accept Bitcoin, that business is going to send out an immense amount of touch points to all of its customers, few of which might actually, you know, lean into that touch point, but several of them will. And I think when, you know, the beautiful thing about Bitcoiners and James, I think your partner, Christopher has been right. really, yeah. really put this on my radar. It's like all the Bitcoiners are going to flock to places that accept Bitcoin. So you end up having this huge amount of, you know, this group of people who have wealth at an increasing rate compared to fiat, right? Like Bitcoiners are in comparison to their fiat counterparts will be exceedingly wealthy. So you have this group of people who want to give their business to people who are willing to receive Satoshi's as payment. It's like, if that's not a competitive advantage, I don't know what is. Um, and the notion that all they have to do is put a Bitcoin preferred or even just a Bitcoin logo somewhere in the business and people who visit them, you know, even like longstanding customers who know nothing about Bitcoin, all of a sudden have something to talk about and have something to ask questions about. And so I think it's almost like every business that accepts Bitcoin and is vocal about it um, can touch a thousand people easily in a year. Um, and if a percentage of those people inquire, that's how kind of it just mushrooms and, and webs out from there. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that's awesome. Uh, student of Bitcoin. I love the tipping method. And, uh, James, I think it's totally okay to onboard with wallet of Satoshi. I feel Bitcoiners give too much flack for starting off with custodial solutions, because let's be honest, none of us started with a metal plate with a hole in our backyard with our seed phrases all secured 
So you have to start somewhere. So I'm totally okay with the custodial solutions because it's the easiest way to get them on board. Um, being on the road for the last sort of six, seven months, I've learned businesses all have different needs. Yes, we can sort of put them into certain, I guess, user groups or personalities or personas to say. But, you know, what worked in Egypt didn't work in Jordan and what worked in Jordan didn't work in Uganda. And one common question that always comes up with business owners is how do I spend this? And for me, I love speaking with my barbers and getting them to accept Bitcoin because you're sitting on that seat for 30, 40, 50 minutes, depending on how long your haircut takes. And I have nothing better to do but talk about Bitcoin. So I'm talking about Bitcoin and usually I've gotten so far, I've had around four or five barbers that have accepted Bitcoin after my rants. And when another business owner says, well, what, what, how do I use this if I accept it? It's like, well, there's a barber there. And I've noticed that even though the barber was a decent enough answer, it wasn't good enough for them to be like, oh, that's cool. There's other people that are accepting it. I can actually go spend it because consciously, yes, the store of value is, it isn't a light bulb moment for you to have a five minute conversation for them to meet. Say, oh yes, it's a store of value. Even if you mentioned the 21 million. But when I came to Uganda, there's a organization here called uh, Bitcoin Kampala and Gorilla Sats, and they're focused on getting a circular economy in Uganda, in Kampala specifically. So there's a barber, there is a lady that does custom perfumes, there's a laundry mat. So you go speak to a business and it's like, well, you can go get your laundry done, you can get custom perfume, you can get your haircut. It's a little bit better. And that's one of the reasons the juice shop was created to answer the question, well, how about something else that's nutritious? So now we add on the answer, well, you can, if you're receiving Bitcoin or earning Bitcoin, you can go spend it at the juice shop. So today morning, the lady that supplied us with plants came over to just check on the plants. And she, we hadn't spoken about Bitcoin to her until now. Uh, the juice shop is called Juicy B and the B has a Bitcoin B. So she was looking at the B and she's going, what is that B? And I said, have you heard of Bitcoin? She's like, no. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's internet money. It's like digital gold and there's only 21 million of it. And uh, funny enough, I actually paid someone else in the same makerspace that she's from in Bitcoin. And she's like, oh, really? So why are you accepting Bitcoin? Now, because there was a business in front of her that was accepting Bitcoin, the conversation that we had to actually get her some sats was much simpler than me just saying, yeah, you can go to that barber in the other side of town to get uh, to use your Bitcoin. And after a 10 minute conversation, she said, yes, I'm going to start accepting payments in Bitcoin. Can you pay me half of what you owe me in Bitcoin for me to get started? And that was probably one of the smoothest interactions I'd had with the business owner because we were standing in front of a business that accepts Bitcoin. So using case studies and success stories of other businesses that are not obscure, but are sort of generic in our day-to-day -day life, you know, a juice shop, a grocery store, a barber, uh, a bar, um, maybe a movie theater that could really make Bitcoin even more approachable than the nebulous money that, you know, the world claims it to be, uh, like the super shadowy crypto coders. Amazing. Yeah, I think almost, oh, one of my favorite questions to ask these days, if there's anyone you know, business or personal related that inquires about, you know, wanting some help with Bitcoin. 
is what is Bitcoin to you? I just asked them because actually what I'm realizing is most people's perception of Bitcoin is actually a misperception, right? The, th the thing people are so certain they understand Bitcoin to be, it actually isn't. And actually dispelling those misunderstandings before we even get into uploading some new knowledge is incredibly important because um, it ends up being a friction point later on. And so right now, one thing that I've found, so the business I'm working with, Soul Freedom, they have a Shopify store. And Shopify has been, you know, it's been an ongoing sort of set of challenges to uh, essentially plug in the OpenNode app which allows Shopify merchants to accept Bitcoin payments. But the amount of KYC and documentation and everything that you have to send them is actually pretty absurd. So we're still in that phase. And then we're going to start testing, you know, essentially once you do that, and it's a plug-in, no-code needed um, application that you just plug in your Shopify store. And then it has, you know, traditional credit card buttons at the end when people are logging, checking out online, but it also has pay with Bitcoin. Now I haven't, we haven't actually checked out what the checkout looks like with Bitcoin, but that's sort of next on the list. But one thing we're focusing on now, even aside from integrating Bitcoin as a payment method, is actually educating the team, the team of people who run the e-commerce store, answer to customer service emails, um, and who will eventually be manning the point of sale terminal in the actual physical store. Um, and one thing I found recently as just a cheat code that I stumbled across, and I think, student of Bitcoin, you plugged this, got this in my brain, but I didn't look into it until recently, is the Bitcoin jungle wallet. Um, which is, you know, it was created for a circular Bitcoin economy in Costa Rica, but the wallet can be downloaded by anyone. And they have this learn section where you can actually be paid to move through these little mini modules uh, to learn about Bitcoin. And one thing we're thinking of doing with Soul Freedom is getting everyone on the team to download Bitcoin Jungle Wallet, uh, which has a lightning wallet and an on-chain wallet built in, go through the learn section. They make about 1500 sats going through each of the 21 modules. Uh, and then having them interact with Lightning, right? Having them send money back and forth to each other and actually, instead of explaining Lightning to the team who is unfamiliar with Bitcoin, unfamiliar with anything related to Bitcoin, have them actually experience it, interact with the Lightning wallet, see how cool it is to be paid sats to learn. And even if they send, um, you know, the team leader, a screenshot of them having completed all those learn modules in wallet of in uh, Bitcoin jungle wallet, having the company send them like 20,000 sats, which isn't a whole lot of money, but it actually it's, it's like pay them to learn about lightning, pay them to learn about Bitcoin, because they are going to be your frontline champions to the customers who, uh, who are interacting with Bitcoin firsthand. So I think in terms of tools, I think Phoenix wallet is just a brilliant crisp beautiful wallet especially now that you can actually buy more liquidity so i think that's what we're going to use as a point of sale but i think from a business perspective it really does depend on the products they sell the price of the products they sell are they selling cars or are they selling bracelets i think that there's probably a lesser hurdle for someone selling bracelets at a market there's a lower risk to them accepting bitcoin um we've experienced our own shopify hurdles of integrating that app and so you know, I think at the end of the day, you really have to allow the team of people behind the business to experience lightning and experience the magic of sending money frictionlessly, permissionlessly for them to really be interested in saying, oh, I get why we should integrate this as a, as a payment method. It's not, it's no longer a chore to learn about this, an extra thing for them to integrate at a point of sale or on the, on the website. It's actually something that's really cool. And then 
you know, hopefully that leads into the conversation of, well, this is how Bitcoin is actually going to be existential to our business for the next decade. Um, you know, it gets them on the learning path. But I think, you know, from a tool standpoint, to me, Phoenix, while there is a little bit more admin on the front end, it allows for a backup. And so for like a, a single main point of sale wallet in a store, the fact that the owner can have that recovery phrase and bump up liquidity whenever it's needed in a really simple way without having to do channel management, I think is really powerful. So I think it finds the happy medium where you have more responsibility and more control over your sats than Wallet of Satoshi, but you're not having to go to the other complete end of the spectrum of actually like spinning up a lightning node, managing channel liquidity, because that that is its own beast. Um, but I look forward to you know, see what the open node integration looks like and, you know, eventually picking up this project of putting together a letter for Shopify to say, hey, you have 1.7 million merchants around the world. Imagine if you could just seamlessly in one click integrate Bitcoin for all of them and then become a lightning service provider and actually make revenue by facilitating payments at a fraction of a free of credit card processors um, and offer offer people who might not have access to a bank account the ability to open a Shopify store and interact with the rest of the world. Like that seems pretty cool to me. So I think Bitcoin as payments, whether it's reducing fees, reducing chargebacks and fraud, um, you know, or just allowing, allowing a business to access, access a whole new customer base of Bitcoiners who want to spend their sats. I think accepting Bitcoin payments is just such a big part and it's getting easy. I think the big thing here is it's getting easier and easier as time goes on. Like trying to try to do this a year ago, it's exponentially harder from a technology application standpoint versus now it's like there's so much available. It's much easier. It's getting much easier. And I think that's all good news for Bitcoin consultants who are going to be helping business owners um, integrate Bitcoin as a, as a medium of exchange. Anyone else have anything to say about accepting Bitcoin payments? Again, Bitcoin Jungle Wallet, I highly recommend everyone download it. It's just a really cool user experience. It's based on uh, Galois open source wallet um, code, but it's been customized for Costa Rica. And it was just the, the little bite-sized nuggets that you go through on that learn section. And not only that, but there's actually a, a button that's a map of everyone in this golden triangle area of Costa Rica that accepts Bitcoin. And there's so many pins on the map. So this you know, the, the, the group behind Bitcoin jungle have really just, it's like a gold standard prime example of building a circular economy, but needing a wallet to make it super simple for people and also embedding education that pays people sats to learn about Bitcoin. It's just this beautiful product that's actually available to everyone. And so I think that's going to be part of our onboarding protocol with any businesses we work with is get anyone who has any contact point to the point of sale terminal and we'll be interacting with Bitcoin as a medium of exchange to download Bitcoin Jungle, go through the education modules, and at least have some experience playing around with sending and receiving payments. And the beauty is you can get those playing around sats by just learning about Bitcoin. And it's, it's pretty amazing, actually. All right, let's go on to the sure, the Just a quick... Uh plug uh there's also blink wallet that is also off from galloway and it's very similar to jungle but i believe it's a little bit more flushed out in terms of other features 
for cool. business owners. So um, take a look at that as well. Perfect. Blink wallet. Put that on the radar. I'll download that. Uh, the next topic is just sharing stories and cases. So I don't know how much we got 30 minutes left. The last two sections were sharing stories and cases. Um, and then sharing sort of onboarding protocols. Like what is it? What does the protocol actually look like bringing a business from just being interested in Bitcoin to actually having them be super comfortable accepting Bitcoin as a medium of exchange. And we've already covered kind of some of those points. Um, but does anyone have anything to share in terms of, you know, stories of orange peeling businesses or feedback from businesses who began accepting Bitcoin um, or any cases where it was like, yeah, we were close, but this was like the, you know, the biggest obstacle that we couldn't overcome. Anything related to that? One thing I want to raise this, I don't really have an answer to this. So this is more so food for thought for the group. Um, in Egypt and in Jordan, the government looks down on Bitcoin. The banks are banned from using it. So it's sort of fairly, it's a taboo topic that you don't really bring up. It's so taboo that while in Egypt, <clears throat> I put up a video of me paying a juice shop in Bitcoin. And within two hours, I got almost 15 comments saying, take the video down, the guy's going to get arrested. And I hadn't really understood the seriousness of the matter until that incident. And the one thing that kept bothering me was money is extremely broken in Egypt. To give you a sense of how bad it is, they have a bank rate and a black market rate where one US dollar in the bank rate gives you 31 Egyptian pounds. But when we landed in Egypt around three months ago, the street would give you 37 Egyptian pounds. When we left Egypt, the street would give you 51 Egyptian pounds. And now it is 68 Egyptian pounds. A friend from Egypt just messaged me this today. So it's extremely broken. And Bitcoin is clearly the answer for them to sort of not only use it as a medium of exchange, it's definitely store of value, but of course for businesses to stay intact and stay relevant. But the problem is, if it's looked down upon and you're always going to be in the eyes of the state, how do you as a business owner adopt this technology and actually inform customers that you accept it? The only real answer that I could come up with in my time while I was there is really the owners can only sort of raise awareness of Bitcoin through word of mouth, through the customers that they know, won't really rat them out to the state. And... Maybe we're, I, was, I felt more privileged in North America that this didn't seem like a real big problem, but it really bugged me while I was there for the two months in Egypt because I couldn't be too vocal about Bitcoin. I knew it draw the unwanted attention, but at the same time, business owners clearly had a problem that a solution existed, but there wasn't any way that they could easily inform other people that this was an accepted form of payment, especially in the tourist areas, because... If tourists are coming from all over the world, it's possible that they have Bitcoin that they can spend. But if you can't just put a Bitcoin sticker in your POS system or in front of your business door, how do you do it? And as I was going through those, that problem, I, I couldn't come up with anything outside from like, there's code words that you can use that Bitcoin's accepted, but how would anyone even understand that? And it's this problem still bugs me and they may know there might not be any easy answer until the state either gives 
takes a different direction. But it's an unfortunate position to be in in these countries or geographies where a solution exists for these businesses to pretty much elevate what they're doing, but they can't adopt it due to the regulations in place. Yeah, I guess that's part of the then they fight you stage where the more scared they are of losing control of their money, the more they'll threaten people um, who are using money outside of their control. And yeah, it's hard to even give input on that because I can't even imagine, you know, this idea that you could literally be threatened with state violence for just using a free market form of money. It really, it does suck. But I think when people, people will find a way, right? If, if Bitcoin is peer-to-peer, is an electronic peer-to-peer cash system, um, then there has to just be this trust between the peers that are transacting. Uh, and while you can't really, you know, shout from the rooftops about the benefits of Bitcoin, you know, these, the state can slow it, but they can't stop it. So I guess the hope is once it reaches an inflection point where enough people understand it, maybe then those people realize the power that they have, which is that the government works for them, not the other way around. So yeah, interesting perspective. Thanks for sharing that student Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I was just coming back on students point. I, I mean, uh, and kind of reaffirming what you're saying, Caribou, basically what it demonstrates is a government that's working against the interests and the development of its own country. And so unfortunately, I think the answer is it will be slower because the government is really working against their interests. And so there's not a lot you can do as an individual to fight against that. I've got another, if Caribou, have we got a moment? I've got another story about Egypt. If, yeah, uh, please do. Uh, I was just going to bring up a friction point that I've experienced. Okay. So you go and then I'll yeah. mention it after. Okay. So student, you might be interested in this. So I've been spe- speaking recently to the um, FD financial director um, of a multinational industrial parts company um, and I was speaking to him because because looking at Bitcoin to solve a, a problem that they've got um, so in Egypt is one of the countries they've got a problem with the two countries he cited were Albania and Egypt and he said they've got customers um, who want to buy some of their industrial parts in those countries but they're having extreme difficulty uh, getting the customers want to buy it they've got the money but actually doing the transaction is becoming difficult because Albania and Egypt have have got quite strict capital controls in place. And so we're talking about using um, Bitcoin and possibly Tether, depending, but that's just a, a route that may be more acceptable for the corporation at this stage because of the stability, et cetera, um, to uh, route around those capital controls. So it's not just sort of small businesses inside Egypt, but it's larger businesses like agriculture businesses or whatever they want industrial parts for that machinery, um, unable to buy it you know from a willing seller in another country simply because their their banking system has got capital controls in place so i just thought you might be interested to hear that as a sort of mirror image uh, from the outside yeah and from a business perspective of purchasing because the footwear company actually buys most of its inventory internationally from the united states or uh, or other countries, especially in Europe, natural footwear is a much bigger um, market than it is in North America right now. And just the difficulty of bridging payment systems and the friction costs, not only in time and energy 
and all the information you have to give to say exactly what you're doing, but just literally even the actual cost of sending $10,000 to a vendor, if you take into account what's the haircut they're receiving for receiving that payment, what is the friction in terms of time that that is being considered? And when you look at it, you know, it really, when you sum up the amount of pain to just send money to someone else that isn't within your domestic borders, I think all of that pain contributes to just reinforcing the use case for Bitcoin as a tool that allows borderless value transfer in a very efficient way. It's really just the most efficient way of sending money. So I think that'll become probably more and more obvious as time goes on. Um, and one of the friction points I was going to mention is just the accounting considerations for receiving Bitcoin as uh, a payment method. And this idea that, you know, if you're treating Bitcoin as an asset that has capital gains on it, you have to factor in, you have to calculate your cost base on every Satoshi received. And it becomes extremely cumbersome um, and, you know, kind of can weigh down administratively uh, a team even though it's we know that the sats received are very valuable more valuable than in canadian dollars the it's like we got to counterbalance that with the admin burden of receiving sats and so i think over time you know we're kind of playing around with several different ideas but you know one of the things we were talking about is well if bitcoin payments aren't going to be super frequent at the start then just bringing all of the payments received for product and putting them into our treasury without needing to sell them um, seems to be the most straightforward way of doing it and just recording exchange rate at, on, at the hour that that payment was received. So I think one of the friction points is just, you know, if we look at the trajectory of a business going from a fiat business who accepts Bitcoin payments, moving towards a business built on Bitcoin who has a minimal fiat footprint, along the way, as you bridge those two systems, there's going to be sort of, you know, friction points. And I think it just reinforces the fact that you need the owner or the team running the business to have a really deep conviction in the why. Why is this so important to do? Because that gives them a little bit more juice to move through and persevere through all the obstacles that will inevitably come up over time. Whether that's the difficulty of self-custody, whether that's the, you know, fiat accounting obstacles or friction points, um, of accepting Bitcoin, whatever it is. And so for me, even just on the last point that we had on the agenda onboarding protocols, to me, in my brain, the simple protocol is make sure that the team inquiring, the business inquiring, wanting to receive Bitcoin as a medium exchange or put it on the balance sheet, whatever it is, deeply understands the why and can actually, you know, if I ask them, why do you want to do this with Bitcoin? They should have a really clear answer, clear, confident answer. So it's like, make sure the why is there put together a strategy for the how, focus on employee education, which is, I think, you know, you can, it's all well and good. And I think necessary to have a champion within a business who is the source of resources um, for the whole company or the whole team, if it's bigger than just one person, but ultimately the entire staff of the business um, needs to understand Bitcoin to some extent. They don't need to understand the intricacies of the protocol, but I think, um, really focusing on ongoing employee education and creating almost like a pipeline of resources that's tailored to the people in this business and their education needs. I think that's a really important element. If we're going to be consulting businesses, 
Um, I think not losing, not getting too deep into the weeds of the technological application side and really making sure never to lose sight of the education, the importance of education of them knowing why are we even doing, why are we taking on all this extra work to understand this thing and implement this thing? They need to understand that really deeply. So the last thing I wanted to end off with was just the importance of ensuring the business owner and eventually the business team that is interacting with Bitcoin or, or in integrating Bitcoin, they need to really have an ongoing commitment to learning about Bitcoin and deepening their understanding. Um, and, you know, ideally those individuals end up personally inquiring into Bitcoin and maybe preserving some of their purchasing power with Bitcoin. Cause that, that's, I think how you develop just a really hardened convicted team that can not only receive Bitcoin, but also educate people who come in that might have questions about Bitcoin. Um, and I really think that, you know, a team of Bitcoiners work, a team of people working for a business, like a retail business that all have some baseline literacy of Bitcoin is almost like a super powerful orange pilling team for every customer that walks in the door, not forcefully, but if you have little, you know, Bitcoin preferred sticker, or by the way, we accept Bitcoin as a payment method, uh, you turn each of those people into someone who can be an advocate for Bitcoin by just um, having a baseline level of knowledge. So anything else to say before we wrap up? I think that's probably good. We covered for the most part, everything. Um, this will be an ongoing discussion. I think doing a Bitcoin for businesses call every every quarter or every every three to six months will probably be good because the topics will change as more people are interacting with businesses. We might have more cases or challenges to bring up that we can all sort of discuss together. Uh, but does anyone have, have anything else to say before we sign off? Totally off topic, but since you brought up accounting, I'm just curious, does anyone use any budgeting tools or anything with Bitcoin personally? Because I find it, I'm trying to find it very hard to keep track of where the sats go. <laughs> Not right now, but that is, can you, can you, what do you mean where the sats go? Like, give me any, uh, a little bit more of a more context to that. Yeah, I'll give you some more context. So like every app sort of deals with uh, tagging with descriptions differently. So let's say end of month, you want to tally up where exactly your SaaS have been spent, earned, received, sent, and whatnot. Uh, Phoenix is really good because you can tag every single line item with a description that then you can export to Excel. Uh, certain wallets don't provide that exact feature. So like Jungle, uh, Costa Rica Jungle Wallet or Blink Wallet, for instance, if you're sending it to their intra ledger, meaning sending it to another user of the Blink Wallet or Jungle Wallet, they don't allow you to tag. So in those instances, you lose the ability to really recount where exactly did those 10, 1,000 sats or 500 sats go. And since I came to Africa, I've just been over here, even 500 sats makes a difference because that's equivalent of 500 shillings, which mm. can get you like a piece of bread. So you give someone 2,100 sats, which is the equivalent of almost 3,000 shillings. That's a basic meal here. So I look back and I'm like, well, I have no idea where this 2,100 went. Did I spend it on something? Did I tip someone? And um, yeah, it's just generic being able to account for where's my sats going and where it's coming from. But uh, yeah, I haven't found any solution yet. I was just curious, but it doesn't sound like there's anything else you're anyone is aware of. No, I haven't come across anything. I think the ability to put a note in Phoenix with every spend or receive is really 
is really awesome. And like you said, being able to export the Excel and save it, if you create a new wallet, you can still keep an archive of that is pretty awesome, but maybe that's an opportunity, right? Like maybe the ultimate day-to-day lightning layer two spending wallet, one of the features is just the ability to track in detail, um, you know, in a deeper level of detail than is currently available and to export that and save it. I think that's, I mean, for a day-to-day spending wallet, it's like, that seems like a pretty important uh, feature to have, so. Cool. All right, well, thanks everyone for tuning in today, taking time out of your Sunday. Um, Yeah, I don't know what the topic will be for call. I think someone in the Telegram group had suggested a topic for call number five, so I'll get a message out about that. For anyone listening, thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, uh, you can comment uh, on this podcast on Fountain. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about or what you enjoyed. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. Ciao for now. Thanks, Caribou. No worries.